I did jest about two and a half hours, by the way, in case you're getting a bit worried. Let's have a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we've experienced this morning. We thank you for Jilly and Colin and, uh, and the baptism that they've just gone through. We ask that you will continue to bless them. And now, Lord, as we look into your word, we pray that you will bless us as we hear you speaking to us. For we ask it in our Saviour's name. Amen. One of the most exciting uh, times for uh, uh, a young married couple is when they uh, are expecting their first child. Uh, there are many expectations, aren't there? Many, many hopes, um, fears sometimes. And one of the most enjoyable tasks is choosing a name, choosing a name for the child. I remember Jean and myself a long, long time ago, I have to add, when we were choosing the names for our, our two children. I can remember getting books of names and spending, spending time drawing up short lists of male and female names. Anybody experience that, by the way? Quite a few. Um, and then we reached the final uh, decision. Should it be uh, have within the name a connection with the families? All those uh, ideas that we had when we were choosing our names. Then reaching, reaching the final decision. And as I've guessed from the nods on some of your faces, that that's something that you've experienced as well. The excitement and the trials of naming our children. You know, Mary and Joseph, they, uh, they didn't have that problem, did they? God, God provided the name of Mary's first child. Let's see if I can get on with uh, technology. Not the greatest at technology, as you know. Yes, you shall name him Jesus. You shall name him Jesus. Perhaps you're thinking that it's, it's rather odd that the passage of scripture I've chosen is part of the Christmas story. But I wanted to take from the account of the incarnation and use that simple and really quite deep naming of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus. Sorry about this, I'm trying to go forward. Have I turned it? Thank you. Good job we've got people who know about technology here, isn't it? Not my, not my, <laughs> my greatest. Ah. The name of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul reminds us that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. You know, the name Jesus is, is derived from Yeshua. Yeshua, I expect all of you know that, which means to deliver, to deliver, to rescue. And how appropriate that that should be for Jesus in describing our Saviour, the Saviour who would rescue us, who would deliver us. As 
uh, Matthew did put it in his gospel, you shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. In that popular Tony Hancock sketch, The Blood Donor, uh, which is a favourite sketch of mine, I have to say, whilst chatting to a, a fellow blood donor um, in the hospital, he reveals that he writes down in a notebook all the good deeds, all, all the charitable things that he's done. And then he goes on to say this, and I'm quoting from the sketch. When I'm finally called by the great architect, and they say, what did you do? I shall get out my notebook and say, there you are, add that lot up. You know, clearly Hancock wasn't aware of what the Bible itself says, of what the Bible itself said. Paul wrote this in his letter to his friends in Ephesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us in Christ Jesus so that we can do all the good things he planned for us long ago. Our salvation, our faith, comes through the unmerited grace of our Lord. When in the wonderful words, wonderful words of Paul in his second letter to the church in Corinth, he said this, God made him, that's Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in him, in our saviour, we might become the righteousness of God. You know, I find that absolutely staggering. Absolutely staggering. And I always find those thoughts, those words, really quite overwhelming. You know, when God looks at me as a Christian, saved, saved by grace, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. When I stand before God in the fullness of time, not like Tony Hancock trying to justify myself by a life of, of perhaps good things I might have done, I rest solely, I rest solely in the saving grace of my Lord who carried my sin and carried your sin on the cross of Calvary. As that old hymn, favourite hymn uh, of people puts it, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only, he only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Jesus has, of course, been called uh, many names in Scripture, hasn't he? Even in the passage we read, um, Matthew's Gospel, we read a quote from the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there certainly was a family connection there, wasn't there? With his heavenly father. They would call him Emmanuel, God with us. Here indeed was God incarnate in Jesus. As Paul reminds us, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form, in Christ, even in this infant Jesus, all the fullness of the deity lived in bodily form. Emmanuel, 
That certainly was a name that really would fit the person, wouldn't it? And Jesus, as he grew into manhood, demonstrated his unique divine authority and power as he walked, as he walked this earth. So how right it was that the prophet Isaiah, how right it was that Matthew, in quoting from Isaiah in his gospel, they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Of course, that passage in, uh, in Isaiah, it comes from Isaiah chapter 7, that introduced the name Emmanuel to Jesus' earthly parents, was one of a series of names, series of, of titles uh, that the prophet conferred on the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9 is a passage of scripture that we regularly read, don't we, at Christmas time. Verse 6 onwards, For unto us a child is born, to a son is given, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Yes, Isaiah certainly had some eloquent names for our Lord, didn't he? Unique and awe-inspiring names. And the import of those names, you know, means so much to those who are his, those who have been saved, those who have been rescued, those who have been delivered by his grace, to those who are his. You know, there's the rub. There's the rub. For all those tremendous names would be meaningless to us if it wasn't for the truth and it wasn't for the reality of the meaning of the human name of our Lord, the name Jesus. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You know, that's the key. That's the key. You know, the subject of sin, even the word itself, is not a popular concept these days. Modern society, modern, modern culture, invites us to put it aside such thoughts. They're archaic. Modern materialistic society in this uh, scientific age has grown up uh, by these, from these bygone, old-fashioned ideas. Just do. Just, just carry on living a life that is right for you that doesn't really impinge too much on other people. Live a good life, like, like Tony Hancock. Someone once told me about uh, when he was decorating a room in his house. He did the painting late in the evening under artificial light. And when he looked at it in the morning, in the daylight, with the sun shining through the, uh, through the window, it was so disappointing. It was patchy. Areas he'd missed. He'd have to do it all over again in the daylight. The psalmist, you know, puts it so elegantly. You keep my lamp burning. My God has turned darkness into light. You, Lord, keep my light burning. Jesus, Jesus, the light of the world. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life the searchlight of God's purity, the searchlight of God's brilliant brilliance that we see in Jesus. You know, we could recognise all the marvellous truths in those names 
that Isaiah gives for the Messiah, that he was Emmanuel, God with us, that he was the wonderful divine counsellor, the mighty God, even that he could be our everlasting father and give us an eternal peace as the Prince of Peace. And yet because, because of our sin, because of that awful chasm this causes between us and God's perfect holiness, how can we approach such a mighty, holy and eternal God? You know, how the cry of the psalmist David rings in our ears. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. But how can I? How can I have such clean hands and such a pure heart to ascend to such holiness? How can I? It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible of ourselves. But listen, that's why the name of Jesus is so wonderful. You shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He shall save his people from their sins. Now the whole purpose of God entering personally, entering physically into the affairs of men, is so that he could affect completely and perfectly that reconciliation to himself that man so desperately needs. You know, the sacrifices uh, recorded in the Old Testament were just poor replicas, a poor picture of what was really required, a permanent answer to the endemic sin that separates. And Jesus, through his sinless life, through his selfless sacrifice, provided that answer, provided that answer as he took the sins of the world to himself, as he descended to the very depths of hell itself in that awful moment, that awful cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then the wonderful triumph of the resurrection, how it vindicated such a complete sacrifice, giving all, giving, giving everyone the opportunity to rise with him eternally in the same newness of life. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. C.S. Lewis, who wrote, wrote, excuse me, who wrote the Narnia stories and numerous uh, uh, Christian apologetic books like uh, Mere Christianity, The Four Loves, um, the problem of pain, and many, many others. He once said that Jesus was either who he said he was or a megalomaniac of the highest order. And again, I quote, this is something else that he said. Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. There may be somebody here who's very sceptical about all this God talk. Perhaps you subscribe to the God delusion ideas of people like Richard Dawkins and his friends. Stephen Mayer, philosopher of science and director of the Centre for 
science and culture in America, wrote a very challenging and influential book entitled Return of the God Hypothesis. He wrote this in his book. Yes, I think that's there. A beautiful, expanding... I want the next one. You can see now how good I am at technology, can't you? Oh, we're there. Our beautiful, expanding and false, finely tuned universe and the exquisite, exquisite integrated and informational complexity of living organisms bear witness to the reality of a transcendent intelligence, a personal God. And those words equate with a statement of the Apostle Paul in his letter uh, to his friends in Rome. Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. That's, they're pretty powerful words, aren't they? But as you look round at the world and the beauty of the world, I'm sure all of us have been on walks or, or been up on a hill or something and you look at the scenery before you and you think that's, that, that's so marvellous. I think Jilly and Colin mentioned that, looking in that uh, olive uh, field. You see the beauty of God. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now there's a real challenge there, isn't there? It's a challenge that nobody can ignore, you know. Of course, you can, you can put it to one side, but you know, it still comes back. It still comes back. When Jesus was debating with the religious leaders of the day, he asked them probably the most searching and vital question that can ever be asked. It's in Matthew 22 and verse 42. And I quote from the old uh, King James version of the Bible. What think ye of Christ? What think ye of Christ? Christ. You know, that's a constant, unending question. As I said a moment ago, you can't escape from it. You've got to answer that question for yourself. What, what think ye of Christ? I hope you don't mind, but uh, let me ask you a very direct and personal question. Do you, do you know the peace of being reconciled with God? Do you know the peace of sins forgiven, of looking forward to an eternity with your, your everlasting Father? Have you come to God in repentance and faith? Have you ever asked for your sins to be forgiven, accepting by faith that he took them on the cross of Calvary for you, for you, for me and for you? Have you ever personally asked him to come into your life and to fill you, to renew you through the power of his Holy Spirit? You know, if you haven't, if you haven't, I urge you with all the power at my disposal to do so. 
without any further delay. For in his mercy, in his compassion, in his infinite love for us, he's longing for that. You know, it's an experience we can have now as we, as we come to him. An experience of infinite joy and peace that will reach its peak, of course, when we share eternity with our Lord. An experience that Colin and Jilly are having now in part, but they too will experience fully when they come face to face with their Lord in glory. Let's have a few moments of silence. Perhaps you'd like to close your eyes uh, as each of us respond to that wonderful name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful time we've had this morning. We thank you for seeing the joy on the faces of Colin and Jilly as they were baptised and as they gave their testimony. Lord, we pray that each one of us may enjoy that wonder uh, ourselves as well as we come to you in faith. Perhaps you've never publicly confessed your faith in Jesus and you'd like, feel like Colin and Jilly, you'd like to be baptised. Or perhaps you've not yet made that uh, initial act of faithful commitment to our Lord. Well, well don't delay. Don't delay. Speak to one of the leaders. Uh, uh, they'll be wearing lanyards. And put that right. It's the most important decision you'll ever take. 